This is the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, July 12th. So, Corey, did you watch any of the All-Star game yesterday? Uh, you know, I didn't get even a second of it last night. Really? Not a second of it. I'm not uh, terribly sad. It, it looks like it was a, a decent little game, 3-2 to two final score. It seems like the Twins guys pitched well. Sonny Gray had two strikeouts, a walk, and a shutout inning. Pablo Lopez had two strikeouts and a single in a scoreless ninth inning. So, yeah, I mean, Twins guys had a good day. They did their job. What's at stake anymore in the All-Star game? Pride. Good. I do like that. Like, let's. Were you a fan of the Bud Selig rule? Of Which, where it needed to matter, where the All Star Game decide the winner of the All Star Game decided which league got home field advantage in the World Series. Well, I grew up where it didn't mean anything, and then it changed into my life that it meant no, 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 no. I don't. It 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 needs it, it needs to either mean something or not mean something. And when they they've kind of waffled in the middle for a while too. Yeah, that uh, I'm glad it doesn't. It, it's not supposed to mean anything. It's supposed to, like, it's a pipe dream. Like, that was the whole thing of, like, in the 1940s or whenever they had the first All-Star game. They're like, hey, wouldn't it be amazing if, like, Babe Ruth and, I'm trying to think of somebody else from the 40s, uh, like, Babe Ruth and all the other great players from across baseball got to play on the same team. Wouldn't that be kind of fun? Like, what would it be like? It's and cool. that, And that's, I mean, it's a fun spectacle to get to see everybody. It's a lot more laid back. Everybody's just out there to have fun. That is a, that is a good part of it. I do... Part of me, because it's more of uh, when I really got into like full-time watching baseball, the C-League rule did add an interesting wrinkle of like, oh, dang, this game actually does mean something. Uh, but I get why now we should just have the team with the better record. Gets the home field advantage in the World Series. It makes more sense. Well, it's your a- entire regular season is set up so that whoever has the best re- it makes sense that whoever has the best record gets home field advantage cuz they're kind of just playing everyone. Right, exactly. So that's that's the thing about it. And so uh the All-Star game kind of came and went uh, as we talked about the Twins had a couple scoreless innings through their pitchers and of course in typical Twins pitchers fashion the American League offense only scores two runs. Whoops. Eh. Sorry, Twins pitchers. They just, they're like, I have all of the All-Stars and we still can't get more than two runs a game? What do we got to do here? Luis Arise had two hits and drove in a run. Oh, well, good for him. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, did you, like, was it on? Did you watch the whole thing? uh, I didn't watch the beginning, but I caught probably the last four innings. Ish. Okay. And so kind of you, you, you saw Lopez pitch. I saw Lopez pitch. Yeah, I did not see Sonny Gray pitch. Uh, the one thing is, I just kind of had it on. I had, like the volume on, but you know, it wasn't on very loud. It was kind of more just background yep. noise. Like I was watching the game, but I wasn't like living and dying at every pitch. The, I did it in the ninth inning. That got kind of exciting because there was the uh, Julio Rodriguez, who's the center fielder for Seattle. Yep. And the All Star game being in Seattle, he got up to the plate in the bottom of the ninth with a chance to. To do something with a runner on base, he only walked, and then Jose Ramirez struck out uh, to end the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, typical Cleveland Guardians choke uh, in that situation. Well, we're going to need them to choke a little bit in this second half. I don't even think they necessarily need them to choke. I think the Twins just need to play, like, marginally better. 
marginally is the right word. On offense. Yeah. I Just go from scoring 2.1 runs a game to 2.9 runs a game, and you're going to win the division. So I did the math on this, Corey, for a, a, a different related thing, but I think it's a good time to bring up this stat. Uh, so with the Twins offense, uh, they rank 24th in baseball, and they average about 4.2 runs a game. The league leader is the Texas Rangers. They score about 5.8 runs a game. Wow. And everybody else kind of fluctuates in the middle. So, like, middle of the pack offense is like 4.6 runs a game, which on an average doesn't feel like a lot more runs, but when you spread it out over the course of 80-some games, uh, it adds up. And, of course, as we know with the Twins, it's not just a consistent four runs a game. It's eight runs, then one run, one run, two runs, one run. For the next four days, right? Like they'll their offense scores in bunches and then goes cold for feels like the rest of the week at a time. Also bunches. <laughs> <laughs> so what if the Twins actually held on to just scoring four runs a game? Ever in every single loss, if you just attributed the Twins to scoring four runs, and not even so, even if the twin like let's say the Twins would have been tied four four. Let's say all of those went to losses. Mm-hmm. So just games where the Twins, uh only allowed three runs the twins would have 10 extra wins yeah they would be their record would be 55 and 36 and they'd have like an eight game lead on the guardians mm-hmm. do you think that and would, it cha- would feel like an insurmountable lead exactly it feel like the twins could run away and hide and we'd yep. be talking about adding one extra bat to like put them over the top and it's mm-hmm. it's amazing how just how bad this Twins offense has been. We have had the, we've said this before, the greatest Twins offense, uh, or the greatest Twins pitching in our lifetime is being taken away by the worst Twins hitting I've ever seen. And it comes at a time where the offense isn't supposed to be the issue. Exactly. Like, there's a reason why you do these things with Buxton and Correa. I know I keep coming back to these guys, but come on. Hit the ball. Mm-hmm. The offense was not supposed to be the issue. And whatever, we like to joke about Luis Arise, right? Right. Um, turns out, great trade for both teams. They're both all-stars. They've both been awesome. And as much as I love Luis Arise and lamented him not being on my favorite team, that dude does not put the rest of this batting order like in its place. No, and the th- Luis Arise is a good hitter. He helps diversify the Twins lineup, which is yes. what I always loved about Arise. Yes. And I always felt like Arise needed to be in the lineup for that reason. Yes. But the tw- and this is no knock on Arise. Uh, the Twins averaged a, just about the same runs. They averaged about 4.4 runs a game with a rise in the lineup, playing 144 games like he did last year. That's, it's important. He hit this well to this point of the season last year. Do you remember how the season went for the Twins last? So, like, right. we all there's already evidence that just Luis Arise in this lineup is not the difference maker, right? Even though he's a very good and would be a very important cog in the in the lineup. Well, it's important. Like, I mean, we talk about this all the time. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are the two best baseball players, maybe of all time, and they're on the same team, and they still can't even muscle their teams to victory. Right. So, like, one player 
doesn't it's not a knock on a rise to say that he ain't fixing things it's more of to say he can it's only do yeah it's the nature of the sport it it is a team game it's an individual game masked in a team sport mm -hmm. it just is you every single play is really just a one-on-one -on -one venture right it's really all it is exactly and so and this is the overall twins philosophy that really is more critiquing here more so than Luis Arise. And it's not even necessarily, I mean, in a way, it's the big swings and it's the, we've talked about that before, but I think it also goes something deeper in the sense of when you watch these twins at bats, they're being very passive at the plate. And when you look at their at bats, they're looking for mistakes and not necessarily looking to draw out an at bat. So even if they'll get up 2 0, they don't see the pitch that they want to crush on 2-0, and they'll take it. How many times do we see the Twins take strike? Uh, uh, they get up 2-0, and they swing at a bad pitch, and then all of a sudden on 3-2, they take a pitch right down the middle because they're expecting to crush a mistake and expecting to get up in counts. So they're very passive in the at-bat early, and then they get themselves down in 0-2 holes or 1-2 holes. And as a hitter that's especially at the major league level, you're just you're toast when you're when you have two strikes on you. And that's kind of been And opposing pitchers aren't afraid to put the twins on base. You're not going to get a cookie fastball with a 3-2 right. count because turns out they have a lot of holes in their swings. Mm -hmm. They're actually probably not that hard to get out. So you got to put a guy on base. Well, a team that can hit the ball Atlanta, for example, you don't want to put guys on base when Atlanta's hitting because they're going to mash and or at least keep innings alive, whatever. Right. You put a runner on with the Twins lineup, fine. That one got away from me. I'll just strike out the next guy. There's lots of holes in their swings. Well, and that's the interesting part because the 2019 Twins, they were known for attacking. Like they were aggressive early in counts. They yeah. were swinging hard. And that's the, like, it's, I just I don't know why why this year's team is so necessarily in uh and again I don't know if this is a twins hitters thing I don't know if this is a coaching thing I don't know if it's an overall organizational philosophy like I don't know who to directly attribute blame to probably a little bit on everybody in the sense of you just can't keep having at bats where you're waiting to mash on mistakes because sometimes you're just not going to get one at this level sometimes and, you got to hang tough and just get a hit and if the twins were if the I mean, the Twins are, I think, 6th, 8th in baseball, somewhere in that range in terms of home runs. But in terms of runs scored, they're like 20th in baseball. So if you, I mean... Because they, they get five hits a game and they score three runs on three, three of their hits or solo home runs. Right. And I'm not saying every hit has to be a single, but what I'm saying is could there just be some diversity in the lineup? And that's where Luis Arise was really important for the Twins because sometimes you needed Luis Arise to get a single so Buxton could smash it over the fence and get a two-run home well, run instead yeah. of a solo home run. And that's an important difference. Like, the Twins, when I was growing up, always had, you know, decent pitching, right? Mm -hmm. You're talking, you know, your your Brad Radkes and, and things like that and the classic piranha sort of mm -hmm. twin talk. The thing about those team's offenses is they were kind of feeble like they could get singles together but they just couldn't hit a double or a home run when they needed it it's one of the reasons I like Justin Morneau so much because he was the first twin in my life 
who like would lead off the ninth with his team down by one, and he'd swing to tie the game. It was really fun. But those offenses before that Morno era were all kind of feeble. Mm-hmm. This lineup, I don't know that I would describe as feeble. They're maybe inept. Yeah. They're seemingly sometimes incapable. But when they're going, it's fireworks. Yeah. So I don't know what the – they're just – it's different. This is a different sort of ineptitude offensively than like when I was growing up when I was used to the Twins. The Twins would just like, man, we'll slap a few hits together and maybe we'll get lucky. Right. Well, that's the, not what this team is. No, and the thing is, is that's the thing with all those old Twins offense. would be like, we'll put four singles together and get a rally going. But the problem is in the playoffs when you're facing really, really good pitching, mm-hmm. it's hard to string four singles together, which is why... In the modern era, the team that hits the most home runs in the postseason is typically the team that wins right. the World Series. But this is also important. Stringing four hits together in the second inning and then doing it again in the third inning and then getting three hits in the fourth and six hits in the fifth, and all of a sudden you're just it's, – it's demoralizing, right? So there is this middle ground of like – it's like men's slow-pitch softball. Like – in these leagues where there are home run limits, you know what the the really good teams do? They string three hits together or two hits together to get two and three guys on, and then the next right. guy hits the home run. But they still have to string the hits together to make those home runs worthwhile. Mm-hmm. There's a little give and take in all this. Exactly. And we'll transition here. To- I think they're going to do it, by the way. I have I, think, for no reason whatsoever. I'm excited about this second half. Yeah, they'll it t- can't be worse. Well, now you just jinxed it. All right, sorry. Uh, back on this day in 1996, this happened in Twins history. Kirby Puckett has retired. The future Hall of Famer had three separate surgical procedures in an effort to repair the damage to retina in his right eye. Unfortunately, it did not work. So tonight, Kirby Puckett said goodbye. But for me. Uh, kid growing up in Chicago, coming out of a bad neighborhood. Never, people thought I'd never do anything. And here I am sitting in front of you guys, and, and the only sad thing, that I, the only regret I have about this game at all is that I know I could have done so much better if I could have played. So, Corey, I mean, you were, I mean, I wasn't around in 1996. What were your memories and just kind of that time frame? Well, Kirby Puckett is my all-time favorite Minnesota athlete. Of course. There is no one else. Like, I, you know, Mauer Hunter, there's Kevin Garnett. Um, Kevin Garnett probably more closely fits into the Kirby Puckett category, but Kirby was like, he was the guy that got me interested in, in baseball. He was the pro. That, like this look of him, I'm watching the video right now of, of he's in his uniform, but he's got his sunglasses on and the eye patch. Like that is an iconic sad moment in Minnesota sports another tragic Minnesota sports moment of Kirby Puckett not being able to play I was in 1996 uh 10 years old it was this day I was 10 years old uh almost 11 that was my favorite player who I was not going to get to ever watch again I, I don't know what else, like that I, that guy was as important to me liking this sport as my own father. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kirby Puckett, so it was super sad. Yeah. 
not a great day, especially because there was just it's in the middle of a decade of ineptitude after the '91 World Series too. It was he was the only guy like he was the only thing cool, that made Kirby's the Twins worth watching at, at that point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Marty Cordova was Rookie of the Year. Let's watch him go for five again right behind Kirby. Like, that's the other thing, too. Kirby would just get these hits with no protection. <laughs> that dude was awesome. He was great. He was a Hall of Famer. He has no milestones. Because he's. they knew he'd get to them if he didn't retire. I got to go. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, July 12th.